Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And uh, today, it's just me and our guest, uh, author of Bang Bang Bodhisattva, uh, Aubrey Wood. Hello, Aubrey. Hi there. Um, How are we doing? uh, We're we're doing great. You know what? I want to let everyone out there know that not only are we going, is Podside going atemporal, because Aubrey's speaking to us from the future Yes, but also yes, but also international, because yes. one thing is uh, connected to the other. You are currently in New Zealand. Yes, so yes, yes. we're 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 down here in uh, on Easter Sunday. There at, you go, uh, one thirty in the afternoon. There you go. Yeah. So, how is the future uh, over there, Aubrey? Uh, uh, a bit damp. <laughs> oh no well yeah. you know um i'll tell you this uh new zealand seems to be a very very nice place so mostly. I'll, I'll take it <laughs> mostly we've been having um you know we we had our the the posy parker visit a few weeks ago and that has been kind oh, of that's, <laughs> that's right i'd forgotten about that yeah sorry sorry yeah uh, things have been uh been kicking off a little bit since that happened which has been annoying but you know i kept on, I kept on seeing the news i was like wait the actress from all those films what, yeah what, no what, that's what's the parker posey see and i she got it all mixed to, up she needs to like do something <laughs> about that i think because lots of people make that mistake yeah yeah as you can imagine i mean uh so so yeah so in any case you are currently um you are about a month away from release is that correct yes uh we we release on may 9th in the u.s and the 11th in the uk i believe uk's got to get it get get it together Mm -hmm. i mean you're Especially considering com- it's a, it's a UK publisher too. Yeah, like you're a part of the Commonwealth. Come on, man. Now, <laughs> uh, so so yeah. So uh, let's. I don't want to put you on the spot, but what would your elevator pitch for uh, Bang Bang Bodhisattva be for someone that's never heard of it? Okay, so hang on. Before we start, am I was I supposed to bring my own hot sauce, or was that? hot ones joke um okay so like um when i pitched the book i said it was kind of like transmetropolitan gideon the ninth and then i kind of started saying it was a bit like archer dreamland um Hmm. and i called it like this transgender hacker has to team up with a like complete luddite uh, private investigator to solve a mystery a murder mystery and a like disappearance that are both <laughs> like being pinned on her and it's in a uh, cyberpunk future that's kind of like a little bit similar to like the current world but also a little bit accelerated past ours as well and it's kind of a a queer buddy comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and this is uh, actually set in uh, like, it's a city called new Carson, which is on uh, in California, right? Yes. It's supposed to be kind of like LA, San Francisco, like, you know, like a West coast city, but I'm kind of partial to like, I grew up in San Diego Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of partial to that, like, SoCal vibe. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Well, I mean, it's it it definitely. Uh, I mean, there is a precedent for that because the original um, Cyberpunk twenty twenty uh, RPG setting had its, you know, sort of like it was in on the left coast, but a place called Night City. So it wasn't yes. really, you know, wasn't really an existing city. And I mean, th- the great thing about that, I I would say, is that you can sort of do that and allude to other cities and like hint that it might be part of one or the other, but it's, it's also its own thing. So. Yes. And I, I also kind of thought of it a little bit like a kind of a grand theft auto type city. Mm, I got gotcha. that. Yeah. Like, and that's sort of how I use like brands and business names and stuff that weren't really part of the real world, mm-hmm. but kind of alluded to like stuff that, you know, is, that are still familiar Mm -hmm. right right yeah um so one thing that um that i I do have to say that i felt like you know sort of leading into that uh that comment that you made about it being sort of both accelerated but also very similar to the present day which you know it's that that's that has also has a very there's a very long tradition in in genre to do exactly that right you you use you you heighten certain aspects of now uh or extrapolate them a little bit but mostly Mm -hmm. you end up you know you end up sort of like it or not, you know, you end up sort of uh, t- talking a lot about anxieties that about are the present. present. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, in the present. Yeah. And so but but at the same time, I feel like you you managed to balance that rather well because well, it, it, there were. Yeah. Like, I feel like there was like these moments where I'm like, wait, hold on. How old? <laughs> like, like, I wasn't exactly sure what year it was, but it's fine. Uh, you know, it was like the capital F future. For me, yes. but but um, at the same time, well, go okay, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was just gonna say that, like you know, like I, I did love, be, and I guess it's part of the character. Uh, it's himself, you know, like Angel was also like because he's sort of. I wouldn't, yeah, like you said, kind of like half boomer Gen X, like kind of not. <laughs> yeah, we're not really sure kind of where he fits on the scale there, and like. Kiera is very millennial, but she's kind of a Zoomer as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so the book is set in 2032, officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was writing it, um, I sort of was doing like kind of a Thomas Pinchon thing where I was like, okay, this is in like an accelerated present where mm-hmm. it's like it's in 2019, but like things have kind of, you know, p- pushed forward a little bit. And gotcha. so it was going to be like, it's, you know, it's in our present, but, you know, things have rocketed forward a bit and we have androids and we have like, you know, but, um, but still like current social media and kind of, you know, familiar stuff like that. And then when I was kind of pitching it and editing it for print, it seemed easier to just see like, okay, well, it's like 10 years in the future. You know, it's just mm. a bit a bit easier for some people to swallow, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it all kind of ties into like kind of how to do cyberpunk in a modern context, mm-hmm. because w- it was like, well, how do I write a cyberpunk book now when the world that we live in is so utterly cyberpunk already? <laughs> the, like, the, William, the William Gibson conundrum, right? <laughs> yes. Like, you know, when we go back to, like, I, I reread Neuromancer once or twice over the past couple of years, and I just think, like, oh, my God, we're still kind of just biting a lot of the stuff that was in this book. Like, still, mm-hmm. we're still catching up to this. But a lot of it was, like, so prescient. And... Like, it's it's like, how do you do that, like, in a way that, you know, how do you look forward and see what is going to be ahead? And instead of um, instead of trying to do like a far flung future and try to really predict like what weird stuff we were going to have in like 30 or 40 years, I kind of tried to speak to more of the anxieties and 
the the dystopic condition that we already live in and kind of mix in a little bit of like what I kind of think might happen in like the near future. Mm -hmm. Um, Like already some of the stuff I kind of talked about when I was drafting it in 2019 have been like have happened. Like there Mm -hmm. was the, the thing of like the robot dogs, like the Boston Mm -hmm. dynamic dogs have already got the machine gun strapped on their backs. Like that just happened in between when I wrote the thing and when it got published. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, like, but, but at the same time, like that, I feel like that's, uh, I, I suppose that maybe someone like you or I, who is already a little skeptical about all this would have immediately made that leap. And it's like, yeah, there's, yeah, like I, I would rather kick those on their side than than just let yeah. them trot about. No, thank you, because yeah. eventually they're they're gonna like strap them with something. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, what I what I started really thinking about recently is like the uh, the Mimi AI, the uh, like the like kind of racist hologram uh, Alexa. <laughs> Is really like what I think is going to be in maybe 10 years, like the the eventuality of like the chat GPT or the kind of the the Bing AI, Mm -hmm. because I realize like, oh, shit. okay, so if they figure out how to make the Bing like do become the new Google and also, like, an assistant that can do all the shit that Alexa does. That's actually kind of cool and a little scary. And that I can see definitely turning into something really similar to Mimi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of, like... Yeah, I kind of really was trying to talk about, like, okay, so here's... You know, if you just kind of ramp up the aesthetic on all the stuff that we've already got, it kind of turns into something like this. Right. Well, and 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 not to mention, like the the thing that um, I I think that you you captured that unease rather well that uh, that Mimi pops up. You know, in all these different places, all of a sudden, you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it just reminds yeah. you that 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 the the characters are sort of you know, like if Mimi had been aligned uh, to just surveil them for someone, uh, they would have had a really bad time of it. You know? Yes, yes. Like the like the the Mimi is just constantly like you know the phones are listening to us all the time. Like, you know, the, like if you imagine that, like, somebody actually wanted to find you through the, like, system of surveillance that is constantly around us at all times, like, it would really be. <laughs> It'd be bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so one, uh, two things. Um, one thing that, uh, <sighs> As I started like reading and getting further into the book, and and you know we we have a couple of touchstones there. I feel because like Kira's, you know, you know, she's trans, she's a hacker, she's definitely on the cyberpunk side of things. Um, but uh, then we have Angel, who is a PI, and so then it. I think that I haven't really come up against a lot of stuff that is very, um, very, uh, cyber noir forward, you know, like, like I, I feel like it's, it's a subgenre of cyberpunk in, in the sense that cyberpunk itself is a lot like that noir aesthetic. Uh, but it's not, you don't have a PI, you have like a, a you know, a, a a deck jockey or, or a cyber cowboy or whatever, you know, your hacker character is now your PI basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here it's, it's very much um, made apparent that, you know, uh, that this is a, a future that does still contend, like there is still law enforcement. It's not completely corporatized law enforcement. Um but there is sort of like state power in the form of the police and you get Angel who was a former cop and is now a PI. So he, he fits definitely in that, 
you know, very noir aesthetic. Yeah, he likes whiskey. He likes uh, well, it, it, he doesn't smoke cigars, but he's he vapes a lot, and uh, he he loves jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I just haven't found a lot of stuff like that. I I, I was wondering. So you you mentioned Neuromancer, yes. Um, and what other, I mean, uh, you also mentioned, I believe, Pinchon, and were there any other things that were sort of influencing you as you started your draft on this? Okay, so cyberpunk um, has roots in noir, which is just kind of a kind of a given. Funnily, I actually got a, um, a rejection from an editor who said, like, oh, I don't think that cyberpunk and noir make a good mix. I don't <laughs> think this will work. Um, so I was like, uh, well, uh, um, <laughs> you are, you are wrong, but I, <laughs> I'm still rejected. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, you know, it goes back all the way to Blade Runner, um, you know, with, with the, you know, the big trench coat and like the smoky, you know, the smoky bars and the, the, the noodle shops and, like and Neuromancer, obviously, you know, like it, there's lots of like hard boiled mysteries in your in your cyberpunk, but you're right, it doesn't, um, you know, a lot of times it doesn't so directly kind of invoke the the aesthetics and the like, but I do find that especially in Gibson's like short story work, like in Burning Chrome and a New Rose Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses like the narrative kind of tropes of noir, mm-hmm. like fucking, you know, it was hot the night we burned Chrome and like, um, kind of like his, his, his like, pr- sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over myself here. Um, there's, especially in Gibson's work, a lot of like, prose work that is in the kind of the the Dashiell Hammett and like kind of Maltese Falcon style like lyrical and and rhythm and like sentence structure and I wanted to kind of ramp that up to 11 which is in like just in keeping with the the philosophy of the whole book of just taking like all of these elements and just being like really out and loud with with everything (laughs) um so when i was you know when i was researching uh i decided okay i'm gonna watch casablanca i'm gonna watch maltese falcon sunset boulevard chinatown you know i'm gonna just do all of that um you know i read some some old mystery novels um yeah you know i just kind of like tried to like immerse myself in all of that stuff and, and let it come out, especially in, uh, in, uh, on Hill's chapters. Uh, I'm going to do it even harder in the sequel. I think whenever they let me, you know, whenever they green light me for that, I have this whole, um, like big political story plan for the second one. Um, you know, oh, and I started yeah. watching, I start, you know, I watched Citizen Kane. I'm going to watch M. Um, mm. like I've got this big, like, you know, this big conspiracy and like a, and, you know, very, like very Chinatown kind of like goes all the way to the top kind of like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, you answered, you, you answered one of the questions that I was holding, you know, it was keeping up my sleeve because I did want to ask you, is there a sequel? Because I, I felt like this sort of ended yes, uh, like it's open ended, but also uh, sufficiently tied up that I could have, I would have been f- perfectly satisfied with this just being a, a one shot. Uh, but yeah, that, that's good to hear. I mean, I, I did, I did really enjoy sort of seeing this, uh, this sort of really <laughs> sort of gonzo, uh, approach to, to cyberpunk, um, that includes like, uh, yeah, like again, back to, back to sort of like the weird timelessness of it. Uh, yeah, you have like self-driving cars and a holographic Mimi, uh, Alexa type of thing, but also there's still like, you know, people are doing, it's not Twitch, but it, they're, they're streaming their, mm-hmm. their, their, their games and you know, there's, there's internet celebrities and stuff like that. Um, so, 
one of the things that I did find uh, fresh uh, and, and sort of like an update was the fact that obviously we have Kira, who is our one of our protagonists, uh, who is trans. But Kira's also in like a poly relationship with Jinx and Sky, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, so th- we we do get some of that as well. Um, uh, so so yeah, like I think that one of the things, like going back to Kira, uh, one of the things that really struck me, like tr- really strongly from the halfway point on to the very end, uh, where we find out, you know, like we we sort of have Kira unravel the mystery is this, uh, this question of how being online and sort of being like being in cyberspace can affect identity and how that sort of, you, you really played with that in several different ways. I feel Uh, in part, I mean, there, there's some, some, you know, sort of like regular mundane stuff like, you know, Kira's uh, half, Half Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Angel. <laughs> I, I I keep on thinking about this, and and I I I keep on laughing to myself because Angel uh, left the police force sort of on in in sort of a bad light, and uh, had some run-ins where he was forced to basically uh, surgery su- surgically alter himself to look white, which yes. is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, yes, because I was thinking to myself, "Oh my God, he's doing whiteface." <laughs> <laughs> so, so I and and don't get me wrong, like I think that something like uh, Ghost in the Shell tries to delve into identity, but very like it, it's subtle, but also very sort of on one channel. And I feel yes. like this this you managed to incorporate several different angles. Of how identity plays out, including how it plays out online, uh, and how that can enrich things, but also it can cause problems. I, I'm not even sure um, if I have a, a, a straight up question. I think, um, why do you think that? I don't want to put you on the spot again, but why uh-huh. do you think that that sort of granular exploration of identity? hasn't really been explored that much actually you know what there is one one uh piece of media that i think probably touches on this rather well and that's probably videodrome oh, yeah. um i haven't seen that but, one i should see that one. Oh, it's 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 very weird and it's very good <laughs> i haven't seen james, enough cronenberg <laughs> yeah uh, james woods brings the the cocaine energy to that movie that, <laughs> i that should really needed. watch that <laughs> Okay, so um, what I uh, so there's a character in Mona Lisa Overdrive who has been altered to look black, um, and there's one in Tea from an Empty Cup by Pat Cadigan who has altered themselves to look Japanese mm-hmm. uh, in kind of like a, a fetishy weeaboo way, and there's. I'm sorry, I- I'm, I'm chuckling because I'm thinking of uh, the X Men Psylocke. <laughs> yes, yes, and also in Ghost in the in the Ghost in the Shell movie, um, the Japanese version of the Major was put into Scarlett Johansson, yeah, so that, that we could have a movie with Scarlett Johansson. <sighs> it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a good movie, but but yes, I no. digress. <laughs> um, no, so what I. Um, Okay, so there's kind of two, there's kind of two parts here, and there's there's like okay, what was my kind of th- the thrust here is like what was I kind of doing with that in in Bang Bang, and why haven't we really touched on that a lot in other cyberpunk? Um, I'm sure there's other cyberpunks I'm I'm missing which maybe have touched on that more, you know, because I haven't read the entire field. Sorry, just taking a sip of water. Um, Now, I'll address first, um, I think that, you know, if we look at the issues that we're having with, you know, the hellish, like, backlash to transgender people in real life, and the... 
you know, we're only just now as a society kind of wrestling with the idea that the body can be mutable. And the only way we've kind of explored the idea of a mutable identity in fiction most of the time is as a virtual avatar. Mm-hmm. And that comes up a lot in also in the in, you know, Tea from an Empty Cup and in Snow Crash and in like in what you see in most cyberpunk is people going into like a cyber space, you know, into a into a virtual space and having an avatar that is their ideal like form. Mm-hmm. But you know, now we're kind of thinking, oh, suddenly the human body is like something that can be changed as well. And people are not reacting well to that in a lot of ways. And it's not something people have really considered before. And we have to decide, you know, which parts of that are acceptable and which ones aren't. Like, for example, there's that guy, Ollie London, who got the surgeries to make himself look like BTS <laughs> and now detransitioned de- from being a fake Korean and is now yelling about how it's all like gender ideology's fault that he did that. And I don't know if you heard of this guy, but I, I, I briefly, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, he, he's like an English dude, right? He is an English guy and he got a bunch of surgeries to make himself look like a K-pop star. Uh, and now he's now he's doing the detransitioner grifter circuit because he's saying it's trans people's fault that he did this. Um, and, you know, so, it, you know, we're running up against like, okay, so gender is a mutable thing, but, you know, race is not. We can't be saying like, oh, I on the inside, I decided I'm fucking, you know, I'm on the inside. I'm Korean. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's a there, there's a great uh, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Atlanta, but there's a great mm. sequence in there where it's, it's like uh yeah, like uh, one of the characters is being interviewed, and he's obviously a a black man, and he's like, yeah. "No, I think I'm a 34 year old, you know, like guy, like white guy from Colorado." Yeah. He's like <laughs> practicing the, you know, practicing his his white speech. He's like, "Hey, uh, could I have uh, double IPAs?" <laughs> it's yeah, just so funny. And, and for some people, the idea of like changing your gender is exactly ri- as ridiculous as doing that and and so that's um you know that's kind of i think why you know why we're why you don't see um a lot of fiction that kind of explores the idea of changing your real body in in those kinds of ways like the guy that wrote altered carbon is a transphobe Yep. Richard Morgan is transphobic and he says that it's because he's a materialist. Like, ah. and this is the guy that writes the story where, you know, you just move your consciousness from one physical body to another. And like, in that way, you could be anything you wanted, but like, he's just like, oh, well, no, you know, you're, you have the essence of whatever your original body was, no matter what. It's just like not something that can ever be changed which is like yeah, the I, most essentialist <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's funny right because um by using the logic that he himself devised for that work he gets very close to exactly you know like what you're you're trying to to talk about here right he gets very close to that that yeah you know, like the body is you know you could basically they're called sleeves in that work uh you could just put on a new sleeve and be so, and look like someone else but simply be you know the the original um and and by following the logic of his own fictional world he got really close it's very like it's very weird for him to have this kind of very essentialist like view of kind of the 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 body and like i don't i don't know like it's it's so we're just kind of like 
we're we're only now kind of coming up against this idea like that the body can be altered or that the body is mutable and what i um what i wrote down when i started writing uh bang bang was i thought okay what happens when the idea of character creation kind of bleeds into real life and that uh drove everything from like Kiera and Anhol's like personal like struggles to like the motivation of the murderer and like it, that was just sort of my core like I keep saying like I'm really stumbling here um that was <laughs> that was basically my like my core pitch to myself mm-hmm uh, which you can, if you think, you know, if you think about the book in that context, you can kind of, it might make a little more sense altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, I, I think that segues into the the next thing that I wanted to talk about, because you do uh, take time to, um, to sort of like discuss like different types of online communities and how they work. And, and one of the things that even though uh, like, Toward, you know, towards the back half of the book, even though the clock is ticking, they're trying to find would- the the uh the 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 murderer who keeps on leaving like little sticks of uh burnt incense and so on and so forth um you you take a moment to have kira like log into an old uh an old mod that she was uh you know she was in before she tra- transitioned mm-hmm. her old and- wow. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, I, I wasn't sure which one it was, but uh, yeah, WoW was would wow. probably fit. <laughs> I spent a lot Fair. of time on WoW. <laughs> well, and and I I feel like um you know it's it's a uh, story that anecdotally I've heard a couple of times where generally speaking, like doing role play of that of that nature helped someone sort of like understand their own their own gender questions, right? And mm-hmm. I. F- I felt that that was really an a, a, I, I, you know, it's one of these things that I, I keep on going back and forth because I, I understand, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great little insight into how Kira became Kira, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, but also, uh, you know, like I, I would, pr- I was like reading it and going like. How many people thought this was like an unnecessary deviation? <laughs> you know, who's gonna yeah. who's gonna worry about that? Did you did you have any uh, issues with like you know keeping that in? Did you have to push a little bit to keep it in? Or did honestly, they my uh, my agent and my editor were really good. Um, mm-hmm. I only had to outright cut like one scene. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a scene where. Uh, there was a scene from Anhel's point of view where he's in the blue ribbon, uh, getting the makeup for Kiera when she's kind of like feeling freaked out and upset, um, somewhere to like right before the scene where she goes to get on, uh, Warlords of Tirna and he gets her the, uh, the time card. Mm, right right so there was a there was a scene where he's buying the makeup and he kind of has like a like a like a fucking sherlock or house moment and (laughs) remembers like and he's he's going into his mind and he's trying to remember like what kinds of makeup he has to buy from an interrogation that he did some years ago um and that one got cut because my agent felt like it didn't really need to be there and i was upset but i'll i don't know i'll post it somewhere one of these days um but for the the most part the extended cut yeah (laughs) no for the most part i didn't need to cut anything um i actually got rejected by one editor for for uh the book being exhausting and like having for not having any room to breathe they said Hmm. which I thought was a little weird because it's like, you know, they're constantly saying, you know, tension, 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 tension. And like, <laughs> you know, so I thought, okay, well I'll start the thing with a fucking, like, you know, I, I start the thing at, you know, at high, uh, high octane and just kind of don't slow down for most of it. 
Well, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I, it's one of these things that I've noticed uh, structurally uh, about a lot of, especially a lot of cyberpunk books, um, and it's part. I, I think it's partly because you're you're you know the the first half of the book feels a little slower, uh, which which isn't you know that's not a criticism, a negative mm-hmm. criticism at all. I think it's simply because you're you're sort of immersing yourself into the world and you don't know what's important yet. So it feels slower as you sort of like get to the midpoint. And by that point, you you have enough of the plot that everything else starts and, and the plot itself starts accelerating because you you gotta finish it, right? You gotta you mm-hmm. gotta solve the mystery, you gotta hack the the mainframe or whatever it is exactly in the cyberpunk narrative mm-hmm. uh, that you're going for. Um I you know it's funny. I, I did not feel that to be uh the case. I I mean I I sort of um I guess I could understand that a little bit, but that's also like just part of the cyberpunk genre where it's like you're going to take these weird gigs that don't necessarily connect with anything initially. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like this weird disjointed action because yeah, you got to, you got you to gotta pay rent. And you know, that's another thing. Um, now that I mentioned that, uh, that I really did appreciate, which is like this sense that there. You know, that that there is another clock going right. There's, you got to make rent. You got to pay the bills. You got to keep the lights on. All that stuff has to happen. And I felt that that was like a really, um, I, I don't know. I just felt that that felt real to me. <laughs> that we've kind of kind of got like a Darth of uh, working class characters in fiction at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of it. Yeah, I think part of it is the the fact that. Um, you know, like you, you get something like, you know, Case in Neuromancer, who is basically sort of like living, he's sort of slumming. He's been slumming it for a couple of years. Living on a knife edge. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of options that are very cheap for him to like, you know, stay somewhere in a coffin or something like that. Um, but, but here it's because it's much more sort of grounded with our world. Uh, it, it felt like more dire, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the, the, you know, our, our, what was it? The social score, <laughs> the, uh, the Liberty level and Patriot oh. points. <laughs> there you go. God, that, it, it, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh God, <laughs> oh God, the landlord's like some chud. <laughs> Which I it was one of those things that I was like, is this, does this sound a little too stupid? And then I had to be like, no, you know, like, that's really what they would call it. Like, <laughs> I had to think back to fucking Trump calling the, 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 the gasoline freedom gas or whatever it was like, and just <laughs> like, no. You know, the world really just is this, like the the real world, like constantly outpaces how fucking dumb I <laughs> would I would write things. So I just was like, okay, sure, Patriot points, <laughs> Liberty level, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and 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 of course, uh, yeah. The the there's two things that come to mind there, which is uh, one, I, I just found it just. A, a delightful that this is all happening in supposedly super, super, you know, like liberal leftist hellscape California. It's, it's not. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> California is not as liberal as like. Yes. We, we they're, wish. Like, they're, they're trying to do like, what's that? Like Cal five initiative or whatever. They want to like, just turn it into like five red states. <laughs> I th- oh yeah I think I, I okay you're 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 bringing back memories it's just like I I just I think I read that and thought no that's not happening yeah <laughs> uh yeah th- things I mean for 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 how shitty uh the the political machine in California might be uh it is established and it's never going to agree to that <laughs> things are, they they like things the way they are uh. But but also the fact that uh, this feels exactly like the type of uh, sort of pivot that you do because, you know, oh, China, China has that social, you know, that social yes. uh, score or whatever. Uh, th- but when they do it, it's bad. When we do it, yes. it's called liberty levels and yes. it's great. Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like, uh, I also, oh, oh, that's, uh, uh, let me go back to the identity thing because I, one of the things that I really, really appreciated, uh, was how insistent, uh, Detective Flynn, who is basically, uh, I think, what was it? Terminator looking motherfucker. Yes. He looks, he's, he's just played by fucking Robert Patrick circa Terminator two. <laughs> Yeah, and he he insists that uh, Angel, who you know worked with him, not as uh, they weren't partners, but they were in the same precinct, and he keeps on you know keeps on calling Detective Flynn D, and he is so insistent that he called no, Detective Flynn, please, and then immediately turns around and and dead names Kira and misgenders Kira, and you're like motherfucker, it's it's not hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very like it's just the, the you know just the illustration of like the 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 mind of the cop, I guess, or the mind of the conservative. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like they they play by the the rules when it's when it's convenient or when it's like you know his his whole rationale is like he's like well I have to use the name that's on that's in the database. I have to use mm-hmm. the name that's in the, that's on the form. Mm-hmm. And right. <laughs> yeah, but, but when it's him, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really, I really did enjoy that because it, I mean, I, it, it's, it's shitty, but it's a shitty that you can immediately put your finger on and go like, yeah, that's exactly how that works out. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, I, yeah, I I just wanted to say that um yeah, Flynn is such an asshole, but also like a weird um like for for a lot of it he's such a straight shooter as well, which felt also like like almost like he's 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 going along uh, he's walking that knife's edge uh between, you know, com- complete, you know, fash cop uh, and lawful stupid, right? He, yeah. he 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 can't do anything about like when when everything's said and done, he can't do anything about this or that. But he'll he'll follow the rules to a T. That's uh, your like your classic lawful evil. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um. So so let me I guess ask you a little bit about your process because um, I, I know that, you know, I've, I've heard anecdotally, you know, authors who say that they've you know cultivated an idea for years and, you know, it wasn't yet time or whatever for them to write it. And then finally they wrote it. How, mm-hmm. how long, like how long had you been holding uh, bang bang in your head before you decided to, to sit down for that first draft? Well, um, I'm always working on stuff and a lot of times I will have an idea bubbling for like up to a few years before I finally kind of sit down and like really start, uh, you know, construction on it, I suppose is the best way to, to put it. Um, you know, I had the, you know, I had this big like doorstop about a cult that I was writing that I worked on for, I've been working on it for, you know, almost a decade at this point, but like the ideas for it were kind of, sifting around for like you know maybe four years or like um you know the so basically like i will think of something and then be writing other books and then like the time the right time to work on it will arrive um so i had for a few years the ideas kind of the nascent versions of like kiera and onhole and the killer you know, I was like, okay, so I want this, like, I want this, this, uh, private detective who's Mexican, but has altered himself to look white. I want the half Japanese transgender, uh, sidekick. And I want the, uh, you know, I had this idea for my, for my murderer, uh, and those sifted around for a while. And then I kind of didn't get really started on that story until uh cyberpunk 2077 was getting ready to come out Mm. um and around the same time that was happening i got on ritalin uh 
And I got mad about an interview with one of the creators of Cyberpunk 2077, and I got on Ritalin, and I was like, I can fucking write something better than this. And I just decided, okay, it's time to... <laughs> it's Okay, it's time to do this now. And I hammered the thing, the first draft out, in about four months. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that, like, yeah, I'll have an idea, and it might cook. I call it uh, percolating. Mm-hmm. Um, right. there was a, there was a little cartoon network short called put your brain on percolate. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else remembers that, but me, but I, I really, really love that. And I always say, okay, I'm going to let this idea go on the, on the back burner and sit in my brain for a while. And it might take years, but, um, and it might just take like a few months and then I'll, you know, the time when the time's right to work on it, I'll start it. Uh, but I'm always working on something. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm never not writing or not editing or, you know. So, so do you, are you, are you one of the people who can actually write every day, like a thousand words or whatever? Um, I can't work every single day, but I'm always trying to get in at least like 300 to 500 words a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I take breaks. I don't work weekends. Um, but I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I keep it pretty regular. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I try not to be super mean to myself about it because I do, you know, have like neurodivergence and a disability and like, it's, it's hard, but, and I wish mm-hmm. that I cooked more, but, uh, it's, you know, I, I, re- I, you know, I regularly read, I always make sure I'm staying engaged all the time and like keeping regular uh try to write at least four days a week if not five Mm -hmm. um yeah you know it's just it's it's sitting down and and getting it done (laughs) no no one else is going to do it for you right yeah (laughs) exactly exactly well unless unless those chat gpt dummies uh yeah like really really get (laughs) really have a breakthrough i I, I don't think it's ever going to happen yeah um but but I, I like that's that is in fact the allure of that right that I, I don't want to do it have someone yeah, else do it for me I I tried to ask ChatGPT to um I gave it the first like couple of pages of my new manuscript and said hey can you just like shave this down by like five percent just tighten it up a little bit and it completely obliterated it. <laughs> like it just made it it made it terrible like it's not it it can't produce good work like it just simply uh, cannot the the consistency and taste of wet cardboard in yeah it, yes like i it took all the voice out of it it took all it took everything good out of it and f- just fucking like a fucking vampire like, and there are people I, I know who have gone like, oh my God, I wrote this, like, I wrote this story about, if I, God, what was it? Um, I, I wrote, I, I asked ChatGBT to help me write a story, uh, reconciling pantheism with string theory or some shit. And it was like. It, and it's better than anything I've ever written on my own. It's like, man, maybe this isn't for you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it it's just it's it'll it'll probably replace. Um, I imagine it will probably see use for like just you know content creation and for the kind of stuff that um, you know like done for you audiobooks and like the real churn genres like fucking uh what am i thinking of fucking um the well, the stuff that's the stuff where it's just like uh lit rpg lit rpg it'll, it'll probably yeah, yeah. yeah it it'll probably be really good for like the super low quality like you buy it in bulk fucking uh but i don't see it like being used for like books <laughs> yeah well i mean it, it's it's also a way to like the, the way i i am seeing it is uh it's twofold right it's a way to um hollow out like the sort of 
beginner, you know, like entry level type writing jobs because you just, you know, a lot of that is most mostly slop anyway. So you don't mm-hmm. really need that. You don't need voice for that. You just need content. Um, and, and, you know, so then like someone who is getting paid six figures to write op-eds isn't ever in danger of that. Um, but the, it, it's other fa- uh, factor is I feel that it's simply going to, um, you know, just drive down wages for anyone who is still offering that those types of jobs, you know, doing like mm-hmm. listicles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, I, I don't think it's ever going to take the place of writing per se, but they'll, they'll give it a good, a good, uh, college try. I feel. Yeah, I actually did use ChatGPT for something in my new manuscript. Um, I have a scene where uh, a guy gives my protagonist his terrible screenplay, and oh, no. I and I said, <laughs> ChatGPT, can you please write me the first like five pages of this guy's uh, alt right flavored action movie? And I just took some of that and put it straight in the book and just tweaked a couple of things. And like, it's great for that. (laughs) You know, it's great. It's It's great for reproducing shitty writing (laughs) (laughs) that you could not be shitty enough to write. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. We we did actually find a a use for chat GPT here. All right. Well, um, so Aubrey, uh, I, I don't know. Do you have any last uh, any last thoughts about uh, or last comments about the the, the upcoming book? Um, f- fucking pre-order it now. <laughs> Slam that pre-order go, button go, now. Go go pre-order that shit right now. <laughs> but of course, and mm. I will, I will double, I, I will uh, second that. I should say, and and ask everyone who is listening, yeah, go check it out. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. If, if you if if you want fucking real queer writers writing real queer shit, go fucking go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Aubrey, thanks for uh, for agreeing to to you know talk to me and to everyone over here at Podside, um, and uh, hopefully we can have you back when the when the sequel comes out. Thank you very much. Had fun. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, and everyone out there, thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Podside. <laughs>